Next disease of the heart that Imam al-Malul mentioned in his poem is Nisyan al-Ni'mah. Nisyan al-Ni'mah means to forget the bounties and blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to become oblivious to the bounties and blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he says, وَمِنْ أُيُوبِ النَّفْسِ نِسْيَانُ النِّعَمِ That from the faults and flaws of the nafs and the heart and the character of a person is they forget and they're oblivious to the bounties and blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he says, it's root وَأَصْلُهُ الْغَفْلَةُ And the actual root essence of it is that a person is ghafil, is unaware of the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessings on them. Then he quotes an ayah from Quran al-Kareem that whatever blessings you have are from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whatever blessings you have are from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now if a person remembers this and keeps in mind the bounties and blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and other verses in Quran where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has enjoined him to have gratitude to him. For example, he cites Wushkuru li wa la that you should be grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you should not deny Allah ta'ala's bounties and blessings. Then the disease of forgetting the blessings will be removed from a person's heart. Obliviousness to blessings. So there are some blessings that a person can see and there are some blessings that a person doesn't see. And that's Allah Ta'ala has blessed a person in ways they may never even know. So blessings that you can be aware of is okay, you see you have health or have food or I have enough roof over my head, I have enough money for my expenses. That's a blessing we are aware of. And the Nadini blessings. All the more we should be aware of them that have Iman, I pray Allah give me tawfiq to pray Salah, Allah Ta'ala give me tawfiq to fast. And then there's some blessings that a person won't be aware of. Again, they can be from the same category, that because of some barakat, Allah Ta'ala saved a person from an accident, saved a person from an illness, they will never be aware of that. Maybe they simply recited the dua that Nabi Akareem Sallallahu used to recite upon leaving the home. And they made it a habit to recite the du'a upon entering the home. Just due to the barakah, blessing of this du'a, Allah Ta'ala saved them from some calamity. But they would never know that. Even blessings of deen. That okay, now we notice our faults and flaws. For let's say we have somebody has anger. So the let's say they're good mu'min and they're trying to fix themselves. So they become very watchful over themselves. And they notice whenever they get angry. But then if they have anger inside them, the question is, why don't they always get angry? But all the times that they did not get angry, despite having the feeling of anger inside them, and that was proven those occasions that they do get angry. So all the times they did not get angry, despite having the feeling of anger in them, that was the blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Any and every time they didn't manage to lower their gaze, that was the blessing of Allah Or even more, they were 
busy thinking about Allah Ta'ala or even busy thinking about something in dunya and they didn't even notice that was a blessing from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. So then what happens is that a person views every single thing that is good in their life as a blessing from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. It's not just about money and health and roof and things like that. Everything. And everything in deen also becomes a blessing of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Then family, friends, people in one's, those people in one's life who are loving, loyal to them, they are blessings from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. They are blessings from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. If somebody has children, that is a blessing from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Somebody is married, that is a blessing from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Somebody's parents are still alive, that is a blessing from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Then a person might think of small things like a thumb or an eyelid or being able to blink or being able to have tears or having saliva. When we were in South Africa, there was one person who came to us and he had this problem that he could not make saliva in his mouth. And interestingly, actually two such people like that. I'd never heard of such a thing and we got two in one trip and they always had to spray their mouth with something I mean, I don't know if it was water or something else, Allahu Akbar Kabira, And they have to live their whole life like that, right? It's a blessing from Allah SWT that a person has natural ability to form saliva. But the greatest blessings from Allah SWT are deen. And it's when we're oblivious of the blessings of deen that it really becomes a spiritual disease. You can't always remember your thumb and your eyelid and saliva as a blessing from Allah SWT. But one should always remember their iman as a blessing from Allah SWT. should always feel it. You know, like sometimes people who get ill and sick or somebody gets diagnosed with cancer, but then they have an operation and the cancerous part is successfully removed and they go through all these tests, one, two, three years, and I say cancer is not spread. But that person will never forget that. They will always remember their whole life. They will all it will become part of who they are that I was cured of cancer. And they will always be grateful to Allah Ta'ala for that. But just like that, if somebody Allah Ta'ala accepts a person to make toba and they get cured of a sin, they should feel like that. That I had a sin and I did some surgery or took some chemotherapy and Allah Ta'ala took me out of it. And they should be more grateful and it should change their whole life and shape their whole persona that I managed to get rid of one drop of spiritual cancer. So the blessings of deen, which blessings of deen means blessings of Allah Ta'ala, blessings of Allah Ta'ala's mercy, His hidayah, His forgiveness. These are things to always remember. When a person remembers that, then their obedience and worship of Allah Ta'ala becomes a bit different. Then the obedience and worship becomes a passion. Not a duty. So if a person can remember the blessings of Allah Ta'ala, they want to wake up for Tanjur. If they happen to be awake for Sahur, they want to pray to Nafim. They want to make Dua to Allah Ta'ala. They want to make some extra Sajda. They want it. Not because they have to do it, but because they want to do it. Why? Because they remember the blessings of Allah Ta'ala. If a person is oblivious of the blessings of Deen and Allah Ta'ala's mercy on them, then they might sometimes do it by forcing themselves to do it. So they always remain at the state of mujahada, always having to force and push oneself. You find this between and amongst people. 
that if some insan has some ihsan or favor on someone and then they call you up and ask you to do something for them so if you really feel that they have some ihsan on you, you do it happily you say, oh I'm so happy, I love to do it why? because you remember the blessings, the favors in that case so when a person remembers the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then a person it changes their worship and it changes their zikr. It changes their worship and it changes their zikr. So there are two aspects. One, that it helps a person stay away from disobedience and stay away from sin. And second, what I mentioned too, that it changes a person's worship and their zikr. Now, the early people of the soul, they would appreciate even such small things. They were so appreciative, thankful, grateful to Allah SWT, even if they got cold water on a hot summer day, they would feel it as a tremendous blessing from Allah SWT. And then some of them would even be so scared that we don't want to be rewarded by Allah in this world and lose the potential reward in the Akhirah. Allahu Akbar Kabira. And me and you, we have so many worldly blessings. So many worldly blessings. So once it comes in a hadith, that once Nabiya Kareem, once Sayyidina Rasulullah asked a Sahabi anhu, that do you know what the completion of a blessing is? Itmamun ni'mah. What does it mean to have a blessing completed upon you? So, and he said, I don't know, Allah is the Messenger of Best. So then the Prophet responded that entering Jannah, entering Paradise, is every blessing that you have will be completed and perfected in Paradise. Now again, the whole same list, the perfect blessing of being able to eat will be complete and perfect in Paradise. The blessing of family and friends will be complete and perfect in Jannah. The blessing of being able to worship Allah will be complete and perfect in Jannah. The blessing of being able to remember Allah will be complete and perfect in Jannah. So in that sense, Jannah is the completion and perfection of Allah's blessings on a believer. Okay, and then there are other examples of uh, the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala completes and perfects, perfects in Jannah. Then what happens is sometimes Allah subhanahu wa will outwardly, apparently, and sometimes actually, but let's start first with outwardly, apparently, take back some blessing. Take away some lesson, the blessing, or take away the blessing altogether. In that situation, the person should make a stick far to Allah subhanahu wa They should never have complaint. They should never be upset with Allah subhanahu wa they should immediately go straight to istighfar, which means seeking the forgiveness of Allah SWT. Because surely there must be many sins that we would have done, due to which Allah was well within his right to withdraw or withhold or reduce this blessing. And a person should keep making that istighfar. Keep making that istighfar. Now it may happen that Allah might return and restore that blessing. It might even mean that Allah may increase that blessing. But it may also be that Allah Ta'ala will continue to withdraw and withhold that blessing. It doesn't necessarily mean a person's istighfar isn't true. It might mean that there's some hikmat, some wisdom in Allah Ta'ala that we won't be able to ascertain or perceive due to which He is 
withdrawn and withheld that blessing. Our job is then to continue this sikfar and then be radhi, remain pleased with Allah subhanahu wa Accept it, to accept it and to remain pleased with Allah subhanahu wa And sometimes Allah subhanahu wa takes away a blessing entirely as a punishment for a person's sins. One example of this that I just recall right now is Ibn al-Jawzi He mentions this story, it's a very intense story, that there was a person who was Hafiz of Quran and he started climbing the stairs of his house and he just cast a gaze on the woman neighbor and just because he looked at the neighboring woman with lust, he lost his hips of Quran. He lost, that's a huge blessing from Allah subhanahu wa to have memorized Quran. And he must have also allowed worked however long to memorize the Quran. Allah took that blessing away. So sometimes Allah can take a blessing away from a person. Deen blessing or maybe dunya blessing. Because that person disobeyed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala notwithstanding that blessing. So that's the lack of sugar. That they disobeyed Allah ta'ala even though Allah ta'ala had given them that blessing. So now this danger increases the more blessings Allah Ta'ala has on a person. The more a person has received the blessings from Allah Ta'ala, the more blessings Allah Ta'ala gives the person, the more they become mukallaf, the more they are in a responsible duty bound to be grateful for all of those blessings. And the reality is it's not easy or maybe not even possible to be grateful for one truly fully grateful and appreciative for one blessing and if Allah bestows a person with a lot of blessings then it can become very difficult very difficult so that's why sometimes people should try to try to adopt mm, consistent sugar don't wait for the blessing to be withheld, withdrawn, reduced, lessened, taken away. But always actively do shukr to Allah subhanahu So sometimes people, when they would do tasbih of istighfar, they would do istighfar bimanai shukr. That they would seek the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu but not necessarily in the standard meaning of istighfar, which is remorse, repentance, asking forgiveness for sins, just as shukr. Or you can say istighfar due to over their lack of shukr. Seeking the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa for not being grateful. For not being grateful. So this was the next uh, illness of the heart. The next one in verses 167 to 169 has been translated in this one as derision. It's actually istihza. It means to ridicule, jest, mock people. And in English, you can call also to deride people. As for derision, so it means tons and mocking and slighting people. So Imam al said that tend to it and he treat it with the same treatment used for arrogance, which we had done earlier, and with the knowledge that one's purpose in what could be one's purpose in derision other than to humiliate someone. But by doing that, a person actually humiliates themselves in front of Allah subhanahu And then Allah ta'ala will give them the consequence of that by inflicting some type of misfortune or, trans or a misfortune upon them. This is also treated by knowing the severe warning that has come in 
the hadith of Nabi Akareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam reported in the Sahih Imam Muslim about showing contempt for a fellow believer. And maybe contempt is contempt, derision, mocking, slighting, belittling. All of these are uh, things that are illnesses of the heart. All of these are illnesses of the heart. Ibn Hajar Asqalani Rimlatala, maybe Khan was Ibn Hajar al Haythmi. Ibn Hajar, uh, one of the two Ibn Hajars who had written a book on the Kaba'ir sins, he mentioned this as one of the Kaba'ir, one of the enormous sins. To mock or have contempt or to be snide or to be belittling to, one, to one's fellow believers. Imam Ghazali Rimlatala in his Ihya Ulumuddin. He said that uh, to at-tanbi ala al-uyubi wa naqais ala wajhin to call a person's attention or to point out their flaws and weaknesses in an attempt to deride and mock them in that reason. So this is also one of the kabayah. And this can be done through fi'l, qawl, ishara, or imam. Means this can be done through action, through speech, through ishara. Ishara and imam are similar to the same thing, through a sign or through a gesture. Through a sign or through a gesture. And then all of these different types of mocking and derision are haram. Because they fall in the category of harming another believer. And this is what they say sometimes in what was that saying happening with sticks and stones may, I don't know, break my bones, but your words always hurt me, or your words never hurt me, never hurt me. I'll change it. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but your words will always hurt me. Right? Uh, and the Mahadisim, the translation is that the true believer is the one from whom other believers are safe and secure from his tongue and his hand. So the Mahadisim will comment a lot on why the Mahadisim put lisan, tongue first. And they would say that because the hurt caused by the tongue the hurt and harm that is caused by the tongue is greater than the hurt and harm that is caused by the hand. And that is true. If somebody ever slaps someone or hurts someone, that bruise recovers quickly. The bruise and wound will recover quickly. Then the bruise and the wound that comes on the heart of a person that is caused due to the harsh words, or in this case, uh, mocking, derision, contempt, uh, of a fellow believer. Then, if you see this word, istihza, in Quran al-Kareem, those of us who were going through Quran in any way in this month so far, though in Surah Baqarah, Surah Al-Imran, it kept coming over and over again, that this is what the unbelievers do. They did it with Nabi Kareem sallallahu They did it with Sahaba, or the Bani Yisrael, they did it with Musa salam. They kept doing istihza, they kept making a mockery, jesting, belittling, being snide, being sarcastic, being cynical, being pessimistic. 
Fair now the cure that Imam al-Muludri says is the same, the same that was mentioned for the cure of arrogance. Why did he link it to that? Because normally you will mock someone if you think you're better than them. You will find faults in someone if you think you are better than them. Sayyidina Ali who said that you should try not to belittle anyone. You should try not to ridicule anyone. You try not to belittle anyone and ridicule anyone. And Imam Qurtubi was a great Mufassir of Qur'an. He said you should not try to belittle or ridicule anyone because how do you know what they may be in the future? And because they may change in the future and become the beloved of Allah Ta'ala. And he gave the example of Sayyidina Umar bin Khattab that Sayyidina Umar before he became a believer and when he was worshipping the idols himself in Makkah Mukarramah, even at that moment he was beloved to Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala. Because Allah Ta'ala knew that he was going to become Umar ibn al-Khattab. Like we told you in Tafsir that Khalid ibn Walid radiallahu ta'ala anhu, even at that moment when he was actually martyring Sahaba Ikram, but he was still, Allah Ta'ala knew that Khalid ibn Walid eventually or later on is going to become a believer. Then Allah subhanahu ta'ala has mentioned in Surah Al-Hujurat, in a long ayah, a very good uh, passage in which Allah subhanahu ta'ala tells us that we should not do this. A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan rajim min bismillah Ya yulladhina amanu la yaskhar qawmum min qawmin That, O you who believe, let not one group of you, one qawm of you, belittle and mock another qawm. Belittle and mock another calm. Why? It's quite possible that they may be better than you. They may be khair, they might be better than you. And similarly, Allah Ta'ala specifically mentioned qawm and women. Let women not be mean to other women. Let women not mock other women. Let women not talk badly about other women. Why? Because the same thing is quite possible that those other women might be better than them. Those other women might be better than them. وَلَا تَلْمِزُوا أَنفُسَكُمْ وَلَا تَنَابَزُوا بِالْأَلْقَابِ Do not taunt one another and do not insult one another with Al-Qab, normally his nicknames are here, it's a bad nickname. Do not taunt one another and do not call one another insultingly with bad names, with belittling names, in a belittling manner. Here Allah SWT in Qur'an al-Kareem, Bil-Al-Qabi ismu bi'sal ismu al-fusukum ba'd al-Imam wa man lam yatub fa'udaikuhum al-Zalimun so don't belittle one another uh, with bad nicknames. And this will be what? It will be a type of fasuk, open, sinful rebellion, ba'dal iman, after you had been given iman. So whomsoever doesn't make tawbah, they will be considered from the wrongdoers, unjust ones, oppressors.
In Surah Al-Hujurat, Allah has given a lot of ahkam about that. Adab believers are supposed to have to each other. So all of this ayah is basically what is mentioned here in Al-Huz or Al-Istihza that don't mock and find faults in fellow believers. Then Allah SWT Quran al mentioned that those who mock deen and believers, Allah Ta'ala mocks them. Allah SWT will mock them on the Day of Judgment. And this is something that Sayyidina Rasulullah also mentioned. That now one thing is obviously if you are looking at the faults of a person to correct them, that is called Islah. But if you're doing this, if you're trying to find faults and do that, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that Allah ta'ala will expose your faults. Another hadith, the Prophet said that Allah ta'ala will seek out your faults if you seek out the faults of others. And on the other side, Nabi Akareem said that that person who conceals and covers and overlooks the faults and flaws in others, Allah ta'ala will conceal and cover and overlook those faults and flaws. So basically this notion of Al-Huzur Istihza is a very negative character trait. A very negative character trait. Now how does this affect a person's being? One consequence of this Direct consequence of this is a person becomes unaware of their own faults. And when a person becomes unaware of their own flaws, their own faults, their own shortcomings, then the path to come closer to Allah's fountain is pretty much finished. And you can always remember this, that the more you will always be making progress toward Allah's fountain as long as you are aware of your own faults and flaws and shortcomings. And the day you became unaware, then after that next step you will be unaccepting that you have any flaws and faults and shortcomings. When a person becomes unaware and then becomes unaccepting, they can no longer make further additional progress towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One consequence of this, that the more you mock and jest and tease and ridicule and deride people, the more you will become mahroom of becoming aware of our own flaws and faults and shortcomings. And the flip side is the person who is so focused on their own flaws, they will never have time to mock and deride and be cynical and sarcastic about other people. So this is the best cure for this and that itself is a remedy that is actually a cure for almost all the diseases of the heart. For a person to be constantly aware and beg Allah subhanahu wa to make us more focused on our own flaws and faults and shortcomings. These different spiritual diseases in the heart, spiritual diseases, spiritual illnesses, they can fluctuate and they can arise in a person where they never were there before. The reason I'm saying is when we go through a whole list and obviously all of us will be thinking, okay, I have that in me, I don't have that in me, I have that in me, I don't have that in me. So the point is the ones that we might think that I don't have that in me, don't be so sure. Don't be so sure. It might be there and it might manifest itself at any moment. And sometimes the test of this is whenever a person is put in a difficult trying situation, then a lot of the inner 
characteristics come out. Their inner goodness will come out and their inner rot will come out. Whatever is inside will come out. Whatever is when you squeeze, whatever is inside the person's core comes out. So sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, figuratively speaking, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala squeezes a person. Squeezes a person. And then if there was maybe some very deeply embedded amraz of the qalb, they will come out at that moment. They will come out at that moment. Now sometimes Allah squeezes that person to purify them, to purge them. It's a form of the tazkiyah done by Allah SWT. And sometimes Allah squeezes a person to punish them and to expose them. If to expose them, that's a form of punishment from Allah SWT. So again, same response. Istighfar and shukr. Istighfar and shukr. If you're squeezed, anything good comes out, make shukr to Allah SWT. And attribute all praise to Allah SWT. And if you're squeezed, anything bad comes out, make istighfar and seek the forgiveness of Allah SWT. And none of us should ever, ever think that we are completely empty of any one of these things. Maybe a person says, I don't have qiraz from all. Maybe a person says, I don't have fuku. Or maybe a person says, I don't have this. I don't, I'm not oblivious to the blessings, nisyan and ni'mah. Maybe a person thinks, oh, I don't have this. I don't do istihza. Maybe you don't right now. But you might have the potential to do it. You might should be worried. You should be worried. And the last thing I will say is that sometimes there is the surat and sometimes there is the hakikat. Hakikat means to actually have these things. And surat means to do anything that resembles these things. So why am I bringing up relevant to this last one is because many mu'mineen who are trained in this path of tazkiyah, they would be trained that you should be so careful about your decorum, about the way you talk. So you don't even talk in a manner, tone, tenor, style, language, lehja that even resembles this. Does not even resemble derisive, contemptuous, mocking, taunting speech. And sometimes people in the name of joking and jesting, and I mentioned to you a few days ago, right? What is it? Tans, tans. Kushtabi and tans, right? So, you're playing with fire. You're adopting the likeness. Man tashabbaha bikawmin fuhuwa minhum. So, Nabiya Kareem sallallahu said that whosoever resembles, it means community, but you can take it for this, whoever resembles an attribute, they become like them. So, if you talk the way the cynical people talk, if your tone is the way the mocking people have their tone, if your language is similar to the ones who have contempt, the language that the people of contempt has, then you're in danger. But once you adopt the surat, the hakikat is never far behind. And that's why the people would flee from the surat also. People would flee from the surat. You know, the Mashaikh used to be so careful about their language. I remember once, but it's been some years since I gave you that example. There was a Syrian Shaykh I met once. And he told me, and because Allah Ta'ala said in the Quran that don't say uff, don't say uff. Now Allah Ta'ala said don't say uff to your parents. So he said the Mashaikh of Sham, may Allah Ta'ala protect all of the people of Sham, the Mashaikh of Sham, they didn't want to say uff. So when they would blow out a candle, they wouldn't want to go uff, because they were worried that uff resembles uff. 
So what would they do? They would say, Ya Latif. <laughs> Al Latif is one of the names of the Swamdala. So when they would blow out a candle, they would say, Ya Latif. And that's how they blow out a candle. Allah Akbar. But it shows they're looking at such minor details. Hmm? So they took a totally mundane, jai, permissible act to blow out a candle. And they did two things with that. Number one, they they kept that mundane act absolutely pure and free of resembling anything that is displeasing to Allah Ta'ala. So it doesn't off and f or slightly different anyway. They kept far away, stay far away from the surat so that the kikit doesn't come. And the second thing that they did is they converted the complete mundane act into an act of zikr, an act of remembrance of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. By remembering with Amatas Asma Husna Yaladif. So these people like that, they're teaching us what it means to be conscientious, careful, cautious, watchful over oneself. And really, that's the level that's required. It's only when we're so careful, conscientious, watchful over ourselves that we can have some hope that Allah Ta'ala, out of His mercy, would protect us from falling into these spiritual diseases. And if we're loose with ourselves, lax with ourselves, unaware of how we carry ourselves, unconsciously speak, unconsciously behave, unconsciously interact, unconsciously act, then there's a great danger that we could easily, quickly, and even unknowingly slip and slide and fall into any one of these spiritual diseases. May Allah subhanahu wa purify our hearts, may purify our tongues, may purify our actions, may purify our character. May He guide us to the teachings of purification and the methods of purification and may He cure us and heal us and protect us from all of these things. So many times we felt it sugar to you for so many blessings that you gave us make us from your shakirin, make us from your ibadi, shukur, make us from your truly appreciative, thankful, grateful ones. We make shukur you for our deen, we make shukur to you for iman, we make shukur to you for making us of the ummah nabi kareem, sallam. we make shukur for Quran, we make shukur for the sunnah, we make shukur for the seerah, we make shukur for all these great ulama, mashayikh that you gave in the history of our deen, that they guided us and they wrote these works for us and their words still inspire us. Yet in Bikrim, we make shukr to you, Ya Rabb, for all of the unknown blessings, the unseen blessings that you constantly surround us with. Yet in Bikrim, Ya Allah, help us to be true to these blessings. Protect us from being untrue. Protect us from being disloyal. Protect us from betraying you, Ya Rabb Bikrim. And Ya Allah, Ya Rabb, we make tawbah for any and all unlawful speech that we ever did. We make tawbah for all of the mocking, all of the jesting, all of the joking, all of the taunting, all of the chastising, all of the deriding of anyone and everyone that we may have ever done. Yet in Bikrim, grant us true adab, grant us true propriety, grant us good manners, grant us good etiquettes. Yet in Bikrim, grant us the speech of Nabi Akrim, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, grant us the tone of Nabi Akrim, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, grant us the tenor of Nabi Akrim, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Yet in Bikrim, make us deliberate in our speech, thoughtful in our speech, careful in our speech, cautious in our speech, watchful over our speech, 
Ya make us people of istighfar. Let us regularly seek your forgiveness, Ya Rabb. Let no day and night pass except that it is filled with our seeking of forgiveness for you. And it is filled with your forgiveness and mercy upon us. Ya soften our hearts, soften our tongues, soften our hearts, soften our tongues. Ya open our hearts to our deen, open our mind to the knowledge of deen, open our hearts to the feelings of deen, make us passionate, Ya Rabb, make us passionate in our ibadah, passionate in our zikr, passionate in every aspect of deen, Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, Rabbana takabbal minna innaka anta sami'ul alim, wa alayna innaka anta tawabur rahim, wa sallallahu ta'ala ala habibihi Sayyidina Muhammad, وَلَا آلِهِ وَصَحْبِهِ أَجْمَعِينَ بِرَحْمَتِكَ يَا أَرْحَمْ